And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. I know a lot of the Raider Nation's traveling either to get to Vegas for the Broncos game on Sunday, or maybe you're heading out of town to be with your families. Whatever you're doing from my family to your family, Merry Christmas. We hope to talk to you a bunch uh, before uh, the new year, and there's a lot happening here in the Raider Nation today again. Uh, Christmas show today, Christmas music. I don't do a lot of Christmas radio. I'm more of a Grinch during football season. I kind of want to focus on the Broncos. But again, we'd like to hear from you. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And we want you to have a great New Year. So thanks again to all of our partners, everybody who listens and supports the show. You know how much that means to me. I try to say it every day. I mean it if I meet you in person. Thanks for everything you do for me and my family and giving us the opportunity to be here and talk on the radio with you every day with the most notorious fan base in all of sports, the Raider Nation. It was brought to you by Golden Entertainment. What a year they had the relaunch of the Strat, to the Sammy Hagar residency, to everything they're doing at Arizona Charlie's, the 64-plus taverns that are there that I often frequent. PT's fuels the monologue. Thanks to Golden Entertainment and their entire team and the amount of money they raise in this town for charity work and include me with. So, again, thanks to all of our partners, and we'll start with PT's as we get it going. Here's what I hope. I hope that there isn't a COVID story coming. That's what I hope, because the Raiders had to travel all the way to Cleveland and play Cleveland and then come back. We know about Nate Hobbs trying to clear COVID. There are some other COVID issues around the league, and I'll just leave it at that. I have my phone open for Adam Schefter. We'll wait and see what happens here. I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy, never been, because I don't like conspiracy theories. I hate it with the vaccine. I hate it with 9-11. I don't like it with the NFL. I'm not a conspiracy theorist because that fuels the psychos and the crazies who troll on the Internet. So when I go to this, I'm going to say this. I think the Raiders, by traveling delayed to Cleveland, playing Cleveland as they had a bunch of people under COVID protocol that couldn't play, I don't know how many of them played, that might have tested negative, but you don't know what happens before the game. I just don't have a great feeling around the NFL especially right now. The NFL has changed their COVID policy where it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell, which I don't think is right. My, I think it's simply this. If you have COVID and you're tested and you have it, you can't play. If you're vaccinated, if you test negative, then you can play. But the fact now that they're not going to test players because they're vaccinated and they're going to look the other way, and it's one of these scenarios if you don't have any symptoms. But from what I'm hearing around the league, there are a lot of players that are coming forward and saying that they do have symptoms for obvious reasons. They have families. They might have a pregnant wife. They might have someone in the house, kids. So what they do is they want to know if they have it. So this is going to be fluid as the Raiders hopefully will not have a lot of COVID coming into this game against Denver. And we wish the same for Denver too. We want Denver to be healthy. You know, last week was really aggravating on the radio because a lot of people were pissed off. A lot of people were upset about the inconvenience of the Raiders to have to go to Cleveland the way they went to Cleveland. 
and I've talked to the owner about it off the record. I've talked to people, executives with the team, and I've texted with players about this. The Raiders went to Cleveland. They handled their business. Now, how they handled their business was they got very fortunate. Derek Carr threw an interception late. The defense got the ball back, and then Derek was exceptional getting the team into field goal range for Daniel Carlson, Mr. Clutch, to win that game. So there was a lot of frustration. And even Raider fans who won the game were frustrated because of the Raiders' poor play. They played mostly poorly in that game. They really didn't attack. They let Cleveland hang around. And a third-string quarterback with a bunch of eight starters missing almost beat them. So I've been waiting for the Raiders to have momentum as a football team to play better football. Coming up, my conversation with the head coach, Rich Passaccia, which I had earlier today as I was in the building today. And he was festive, and he was excited, and there's a lot of things happening with the Raiders, again, that are fluid that we could find out here in the next couple of hours. But that being said, they won the game. And now that they've won the game, they've put themselves in contention to win another game. I'm not talking playoffs. I'm not. I'm not talking playoffs when you got to beat Indy and the Chargers back-to-back after you must beat Denver. I'd like to focus today on the Broncos. And what I'd like to do, because this is a holiday show, is I'd like to have the festive holiday music and the happiness of you being with your family over the holidays. But I also, to balance the show, I'd like to smash Denver as hard as we can because that's what they do to us in Denver. So I've been on one radio show this week, and I'm going on another one right after this show. And they like having me on because they like my energy, and every time I come on, for 20 years, I always pick the Raiders to win, and they record it. And then if I lo- the Raiders lose, they play it back. JT said they'd win, and they didn't. But when they win, it's kind of fun. And they call me back, and they play it back when they come out of a commercial. Denver despises the Raiders, dating back to the beginning of the Bolin family and even before. They didn't like Al Davis. They don't like Mark Davis. They don't like you, the fans. They treat you poorly as a fan base. They mock you, they talk behind your back, they treat you poorly in their building where the Oakland fans got the reputation that they treated everybody poorly. The point is Denver is right there when it comes to getting in the face of the Raiders. All they want to do is beat the Raiders. You would think they'd want to beat Kansas City. They'd want to beat the Chargers. No, just like Kansas City, all Denver cares about is ruining the Raiders if they can. And over the history of the rivalry, from the Rob Lytle fumble to the Raiders winning three Super Bowls, the battles in the AFL, really the thing that's changed Denver and John Elway, I mean, come on, John Elway was brilliant, right? John Elway going up against the Raiders. If you were lucky enough to see that, I'd love to hear one of those stories. But what really changed Denver recently was Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning went to the Denver Broncos and he changed everything. He helped change the culture back to a winning culture that could win Super Bowls. He played in two and won one. And now Peyton Manning might be involved with ownership with the Denver Broncos, which would not be good news for the Raiders. I dipped the show in reality. Patrick Mahomes is not good news for the Raiders. I tell you that often. Peyton Manning being a part of an ownership group in Denver with his competitive spirit and his smarts and what he brings to the table, that's just another guy you got to fight in the building. So for Denver... I've been on the radio in Denver my whole career, syndicated at night. And the fans, it's a good sports town. It's got the Avalanche, the Rockies, a lot of fun. The Nuggets are a pretty good team. But everything revolves 
around the Denver Broncos. Vegas isn't there yet. We're at UNLV town. Then Golden Knights came. Now the Raiders are here. And it's still a young town when it comes to sports. It's not the sports town that Denver is. So Denver has more fans locally than we have in Vegas. And Denver fans hate Las Vegas and the Raiders, and they want to embarrass the Raiders. So I want to put that in mind before you make your phone call today. And I'm giving you Festivus. I am giving you the ability today, because they listen to this show, to smash Denver. They're listening to this show in Denver now. And come in and let me know what you think about this team. Not a lot of people have opinion on the L.A. Chargers. I think they got a great quarterback. Their coach, I call him Boy Blunder. He likes to go for it on fourth down. Uh, I look at Kansas City. Kansas City now feels like they're entitled to win all the time because they do win a lot, and they really respect the rivalry. Denver, it's just that they have pure hate for the Raiders. And I think it's our job when we launched this flagship station, I was in those initial meetings with Lotus and the Raiders, our number one goal, number one goal more than anything, was to educate the Las Vegas market about the Raiders. So yesterday I was on a podcast, a popular podcast for the Raiders, and I'll tell you about that. I tweeted it out last night. And the whole interview with me and members of the Black Hole, Cisco, and the the people involved were about Vegas and the good and bad with Vegas. I think everything's great in Vegas. But, you know, some people think there's too many opposing fans. Other people don't like the parking. Other people, whatever. People are going to complain no matter what. But it's a lively debate we had yesterday. And it came down to the culture of getting the Las Vegas fans on board with the Oakland fans and the L.A. fans. And that's not a slight on Vegas. Vegas has never had pro football. So every mom and dad who comes into their game with their son or daughter, they don't know the history of the Raiders. And it's our job to educate them and bring them along. That's why we have newer alumni, older alumni on. Because some fans don't know anything about the history of the Raiders. And I think we do a damn good job at doing that every week with our alumni department and the people that we have on and the head coach coming up to do that. So for the Oakland, L.A., Vegas fans, those listening back east on our stream, we want everybody to come in today and smash Denver because we need to teach Las Vegas what it's like to go into a home game against the Donkeys. Okay, we need to understand the severity of this game. Okay, so I don't have a Christmas show today. I'm not giving away Christmas cookies. I'm trying to focus this fan base on winning this game because if we do win this game, it's going to be a free-for-all heading into New Year's, and we're going to have a lot of fun, more fun, and we get to survive another week, which is really cool. So the number is 702-365-9200. I'm looking for specific calls today on Denver and your deep, deep disgust of that team and what you think of that fan base. Am I stirring the pot? Hell yeah. Someone needs to. This is a must-win game. I repeat, yell it from the rooftops, from the M Resort all the way to Circa. This is a must-win game, and this city doesn't understand must-win games other than when Stacy Ogman played for UNLV basketball with Larry Johnson, and they were going up against the Dukies, and obviously what it's like for the Golden Knights playing in the playoffs against San Jose or Colorado or playing the Washington Capitals in the Stanley Cup. There are too many fans in this market that do not understand the magnitude of this game. 
So I am calling on the Raider Nation today to tell these new fans, the ones you complain about, they dress too nice, they're in the club, they're in the bar, they got bottle service at the Winfield Club. I need you, the Raider Nation from the East Bay, Los Angeles, to come on in and tell everybody the history of the Broncos, where you stand with this team, and how important it is for the Broncos not to end our season. Because if the Broncos win, they're probably ending the season. The Raiders will still have a mathematical chance, but if the Raiders can't protect the Legion Field, a Legion Stadium, and they're 5-10 and 10 and win this game, something screwed up. Shouldn't have lost to the Bears. Shouldn't have lost to Taylor Heineke, Justin Fields, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones in New Jersey. And now Drew Locke? No way. No way. We got a passion now. We got a hope. We got a feel that, hey, man, maybe the Raiders can catch a break. So as I was in the pre-production meeting today over in Henderson and talking about Denver, Denver's damn good. In the last month, the last four games, they're number two in the NFL in total rushing yards. They got two running backs who are going to run the ball right at the Raiders, and they're going to run it hard, and Drew Locke, I think he's more dangerous than Teddy Ballgame, Teddy Bridgewater, because Teddy only likes to throw like a four-yard slant. Drew Locke last year when I was in that stadium by myself with a handful of people, that guy was playing with bad ribs, and he was running and taking hits. And the key to Drew Locke is if he plays well in this game and he eliminates the Raiders, then he'll get a job somewhere else. Denver's done with him. They're done with Teddy Bridgewater, though. Teddy would be a good backup for Denver if they can get Aaron Rodgers. They're going to be in the market for Russell Wilson. So what's happening here with Drew Locke, he's playing for his future job, and he wants to put good tape out. So Drew Locke wants to be like 22 or 30 for 214 yards, two touchdowns. He has to have that game, and then other teams are going to look around from Carolina to whoever it could be. It could be any team, Miami, and say, yeah, Drew Locke's available. I'll take him. I'll have him compete for the backup position because I know if he gets called in, he can play. So he's dangerous. And then we have their secondary. And, man, their secondary is damn good. So what pisses me off going into this game, excuse my French, what really upsets me coming into this game is this game is ideally set up for Derek Carr to dink and dunk and to throw underneath. It is. If you, like me, get frustrated that they don't take enough shots, they don't play faster, they don't play no huddle, well, get ready for that coming up this Sunday unless they shock the world because they got three guys in their secondary who are better and arguably much better than the Raiders secondary. So those guys are going to be looking to jump routes and make big plays, and they're going to have the ability to do that. Patrick Sertan, four interceptions lead all rookie cornerbacks. His dad was a stud in the league. They got a safety who's as good as anybody in the league. They are deep, and they are good, and they want Derek Carr. They want Derek Carr throwing up one of those balls into a double team. They'll go get it. They'll go get it because those guys are good. They're elite. So that's the strength of the team. Now, without Von Miller and Chubb, they don't have a great pass rush, and their offensive line is very weak, and the Raiders' offensive line isn't their strength, but they played a better game against Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns. So this is a game that is going to be very complex to break down, 
when I see a Sunday at the torch with Eric Allen, this is going to be a very tough game to break down because I've been screaming from the mountaintops, from the top of Mount Charleston, please, Derek, play faster and take shots downfield. I think this is going to be a game where they're going to want to move, you know, run the ball again with Peyton Barber and Josh Jacobs, and they're going to throw short and underneath because I think they believe with Denver's linebackers and their lack of pass rush that they can get the ball in over the middle of the field, which is fine. But you got to take deep shots with Deshaun Jackson. I talked to someone else today over at the facility, and we were in a meeting talking about the, who, who's left for the Raiders to play. Hopefully, no COVID issues. But if you look at the secondary, the secondary is obliterated. It's actually obliterated. No Trayvon Mullen. When, when you take a look at what we're seeing on the other side, and Nate Hobbs trying to clear, clear COVID, and the situation with the secondary here, other than Casey Haywood and Trayvon Merrick, there's no more Jonathan Abram. So Jonathan Abram's gone for the year. And he'd be really important because he just played Nick Chubb and had a pretty good game. Coach Passaccia, you'll hear in the interview coming up, he was their player of the game. And I think Jonathan Abram would have been good in this game because Denver's going to want to run it a lot. And then lurking next week is Jonathan Taylor, possibly the MVP, the best running back in football. So it would have been nice to line up Jonathan Abram in the, in the box and say, Jonathan, you don't have to worry about behind you. Trayvon Merrick's got center field. You just stay eight to nine yards away from the line of scrimmage and go tackle the running back. He's gone, and the Raiders don't have a player like him, period. They don't. So even though he has flaws in his game in the passing game and third down coverage as a safety playing deep, he's very strong in the running game. So the Raiders have that issue there in front of them. Uh, Finally, I wanted to end the monologue here with Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, I really think this is it. I really do. I I don't know. You know, he's he's contract friendly. The Raiders have him on a rookie contract. He's a first-round pick. We've seen Josh this year. We all pull for him. He seems to be the healthiest, the healthiest he's been since he's been a Raider this late into the season. I'm right at the point I think now I speak for a lot of members of the Raider Nation. This is it for Josh Jacobs. It's it. And I mean it, it. Because if he can't, if he can't run for big yards, if he can't be counted on every game for no more than 50 yards, there are a lot of other running backs in this league that could give you that production. And I want Josh Jacobs to get a new long-term deal. I want him to be great. But the greatness has not been popping off the tape lately. So I hope that someone in the building is telling Josh, you know, Josh, this is what we paid you for. This is why we drafted you in the first round. This is why you're tied to the Khalil Mack trade. Because you, no matter how poor the offensive line is or the offensive line is average, you still have to bounce outside, break tackles, find the hole, and be a better player. So we've been very fair to Derek Carr. Why wouldn't we be? We're the flagship of the hometown team. Very fair to Josh Jacobs. Fair to everybody. And it'd be nice if Josh Jacobs wakes up and has a big game. 702-365-9200. Greg Olson and Gus Bradley are speaking, I believe, and we'll take one of those. I think I'd, I'd like to hear from Gus Bradley today on the defense because there's injuries on the defense. And then we'll have my interview with Ritz Passaccia. And then Nick Ferguson, former NFL player, is going to join us a little bit later in the show to preview the game. And it's just me and you. Again, Merry Christmas. I'll be able to say Happy New Year to you before we get up to that. But I want to hear from you today. I want to hear the diehard Raider fans 
telling Las Vegas about the importance of this game and where we're at. Anybody knows where, it's, where we're at in the season. I think there's a lot of Raider fans in Vegas that have no deep understanding of this rivalry. They don't. They just don't because we're in a brand new market here, and only the Raider Nation can tell that story. Antonio and Modesto, start us off. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, JT, man. I go back, man. I, my family's all from Colorado, born in Oakland, but we used to go back, and I got the Bronco business all for my whole life. Go back from 1970 to the 80s. Every summer, go back there, man. We dominated them. I'll never forget the, 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 the Rob Lytle fumble. I'll never forget Bo Jackson running over. I think it was Dennis Smith. I'll never forget the Lincoln Kennedy getting uh, snowballed yep. at Mile High Stadium. I hate the Broncos. I hope that we put a whooping on them. I hope D.C. gets loose and you hit it on the name, JT, about Josh, man. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. The number one pick, Alabama, he needs to get a buck. He needs to get a buck ten, a, hun- a hundo for us. JT, JT, I love the show always, man. Great show, Thank man. You. I love how you're ambassador to the Raider Nation. You break it down, you get us hyped up. I can't wait till Sunday, man. Merry Christmas to your family, JT. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you. And, you know, this, this is a team that there is a deep history with. We got Willie Brown, one of the greatest players of all time from Denver. Lyle Alzado played for both franchises. So the history of this team, and, and John Elway, and when Denver was good and they went to the Super Bowl, with Greg Morton, and when you look at who they had back in the day, Randy Gratishaw, some of the great players that they've had. Man, they've had great receivers. They just lost one. And when you, when you look at this team, I have a lot of respect for Denver. The fans, the fans are interesting. I really think this fan base got a reprieve. They got lucky, which was smart. They got Peyton Manning. So when anybody going forward in any market is thinking about Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or getting a new quarterback, I'm not talking about in Vegas too. I'm saying in other markets. Remember what it did for the Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning was cut by Indianapolis due to a really serious injury to his neck. John Elway and the Broncos brought him to Denver, and it changed everything. And they started beating the Raiders, going to Super Bowls. But we're too busy worried about Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. And that's what it kind of looks like. That's why it's so important with Derek Carr for Derek to play at a high level like he is and play even better than he can play at. Because Denver had Peyton Manning, that's recent history, with two AFC championship victories, one Super Bowl ring. And now Justin Herbert looks like he's going to go to the Pro Bowl for the next 15 years, and Patrick Mahomes is already a Hall of Famer. This is all right here in the division. And the Raiders get a chance to beat Drew Locke on Sunday at home. It's a very big game. 702-365-9200. Antonio was great to start it off. Exactly what I'm looking for today. And again, instead of handing out Christmas cookies and gift cards, I want diehard Raider Nation in here today talking about how to win this game. How do you win this game? And what is the game plan? Which we all instill the game plan here on this show, but we like to get it from a fan perspective. We're not going to change the mind of the coaches in their meetings, but it's nice to hear what Raider fans think along with myself of the game plan. And I think this game plan is a little bit confusing because most Raider fans have been triggered to say attack, 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 led by me. Hurry up, hurry up, and throw deep. I don't know if you do that against Denver. I think their secondary is licking their chops to see up-tempo, faster game, and the ball up in the air more. But maybe you disagree, and we'll get into that coming up next. I want to thank all of our partners, especially 
Remy Martin. Whenever I'm talking X's and O's, it's with the Remy Martin sidecar in our hand. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Whenever you're in a casino, resort property, or just your neighborhood bar, ask for a Remy Martin cocktail. Their signature cocktails are fantastic. When we come back, what Rich Gannon told me about playing up-tempo, a quick reminder, Nick Ferguson, my conversation with Rich Basaccia, and the Gus Bradley interview. And then we're off tomorrow. So if you're traveling or if you're going to the game, this is my last show of the week. Before I got two more after this at SiriusXM, I'm doing a triple brick. Noon to 2 today, 7 to 10 tonight, and 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. tomorrow. I can do it. I'll get it done. So here we go. Round two. Dead on. Yes, the Raiders' sideline explodes. I'll give a jackpot, partner. Jackpot, Here you go. <laughs> Lincoln Kennedy there. Brett Musburger on the call. JT, Merry Christmas, everybody. We're off tomorrow. And we'll be live from the torch. Excited to be there with Eric Allen, a former tight end. Zach Miller will be one of our guests. We can't wait to have Marcel Reese, who joins us and our insiders, so we'll be at the torch. Come on up to the torch and say hello. Really appreciate it if you would. When you come on in, no matter where you are, just get to the torch. Everybody knows where the torch is. I had a friend of mine the other day say, I'm coming to his first game. Where's this torch? I go, um, you can't miss it. You know, it's the one thing about the torch, you know you can't miss it, no matter where you are in the stadium. If you're looking at the field, look to the left or right, you'll see the torch and find your way there. Legion Stadium does a great job with the tours and all the experiences there, and we've had a great time. As Again, I was talking to the Black Hole and a lot of friends about the culture of going to a Raider game compared to Oakland. A lot of people in Oakland uh, still want to see that Oakland experience at a game in Las Vegas, and I tell everybody it's going to take time. The easiest thing to do in the beginning is the tailgate. You're not going to have as many tailgates as you had in Oakland. Oakland was a giant parking lot, so you had great tailgates everywhere. What I think we have to work on here is finding the best tailgates. And wherever you are with your friends is a great tailgate. But it's kind of nice when you can leave your tailgate and go to the Black Hole, go to Raza, go to some of the other tailgates around there and find the tailgate that you stop by for every game, say hi to friends, have a shot, have a beer, a couple of Raider hugs, and then you move on to your own tailgate. And uh, for me, that's been in J-Lot, the back of J-Lot, right at the corner, right there at Russell and Polaris, because the Black Hole's got good energy there. And then next year, hopefully, there's more cars and more fans there, and it's a bigger experience. But that's what we're trying to do today, last show before Christmas, is talk about the history of the rivalry with Denver, how important of the game, how important the game is, and the experience overall of getting Vegas up to speed, because it's a good example of a game where people are out of town for Christmas. They're just not in town. And you can't sell your tickets to Denver fans. And I don't think a lot of Denver fans are coming because it's Christmas. You know, in order to come here, if they're coming, they're coming. But this wasn't a great team this year. This is not a Denver team led by Peyton Manning. It was led by Teddy Bridgewater. And fans in Denver have the same bills that you have and car payments and rent or mortgage payments. So I don't, I'm not sensing that there's going to be a sea 
of orange and blue coming into the stadium. So this should be a really big Raider home game with everything on the line in a brand new venue where the paint isn't even dry, where they're activating new events inside the stadium because it's brand new. These are the games that I think the Raider fans, the diehards, really got to step up and tell everybody in Vegas what's it like to experience a game like this, especially tailgating and getting ready for something this big. All right, Gus Bradley speaking to the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Here's the defensive coordinator. We start there. What is a, what's your favorite Christmas present you've ever got? Josh, I knew you asked something like that. Um, I, boy, that's hard to think about right now. I, I think, you know what, our family's all together now. When you have kids that are off to college and um, they, they end up coming back for the holidays and get a chance to have everybody in the house and, and our mother-in-law's in the, in the house, so, you know, that part, of it, I think, is the best thing. When you get older, those are the gifts that you appreciate. You correct me if I'm wrong on this, but just watching the Broncos offense, you've prepared for two quarterbacks before. But they're very different. And, like, Locke seems to be much more of a risk taker, much more to the receivers downfield where Bridgewater manages, throws the tight ends and running backs underneath. Is that is that that much different between those two guys? Yeah, I think you see uh, when Luck came in the game, there's a couple 20-yard pass completions, you know, back-to-back, I believe, in the game. So he is a guy that believes in his arm strength. Um, he, does, he has a quick release, makes quick decisions. You know, so there is a, a definitely a different style. Um, you know, so it's good to have the week to kind of prepare for it and know kind of what we're facing. But uh, he's, you know, against the Raiders uh, last year and against us when we were at the Chargers, you know, they, they scored some points. So he has that capability of putting points on the board. And, and their skill set, the wide receiver, is, is very talented. You're missing a couple of guys on the back end, obviously, with Abram and not knowing if Faison's going to be back uh, in time. Uh, where are you lining up to try and put guys, I guess, to maybe defend that? Right. I mean, it's still a little bit of a work in progress right now. I guess every team's dealing with this COVID issue, you know, and and we're getting a little bit in the secondary. So, you know, we just got to adjust the best that we can get guys. Fortunately, it's, uh, you know, the coaches have done a good job all during the season. We try to split up our reps where the twos get reps, you know, in a a group of plays. So we're going to have to rely on that part of it, our preparation. You know, we had that happen last week with Hobbs on Monday, you know, coming out. And, and Keyshawn did a really good job for us playing the nickel spot. So we'll really have to rely on that preparation and their banked experiences they've had in reps in practice. Yeah. The third down stop that you all had against the Browns at the end of the game, uh, it looked like Devon Diablo really made a key play, blowing up the, the fullback and then shedding that block and then making a play in the backfield. Uh, for somebody that he, he's talked to us uh, this season about, you know, that 49ers game in the preseason when he first played, he you feel like you struggled to get off of blocks and really disengage. Uh, what's it kind of been like to see him make that grow to where, you know, initially in the preseason that was something he really Right. Well, I give credit to a couple on that. You know, here Divine Diablo was a safety coming out, and we knew he had the speed and the instincts that we were looking for, but the block protection is something that he had to work on. And, you know, Coach Smith does a great job with that group on block protection. So to see him improve during the year, and it actually looked like a complete linebacker. He has throughout the games he's played, but, you know, in a a situation like that, a four-minute situation when you know they're going to try to run the ball, and for him the physical nature that he's playing with. You know, he had a banged up shoulder, came back and played. He showed that kind of physical toughness. So he's been very impressive for us. You know, I think the more and more reps, I think what happened last week in talking to the guys, a lot of them said there were some aha moments. You know, like, oh, this is how it's supposed to look. 
This is how it's supposed to feel. A guy like John Abram, he said, you know what? It was a game that it finally started to really click for me. You know, understanding formations and how teams are attacking. And it was almost like an aha moment. And we're having some of those situations. I think before I said, you'd like to see that at week eight, week nine, you know. But there are some guys, and I think Divine Diablo is fitting into that category as well. And going up against a team like the Broncos, they have two pretty talented running backs, and they've had a pretty good rushing attack this year. Is just finding that kind of week-to-week consistency when it comes to the run game uh, really important for you all up front? Yeah, I think without a doubt. I mean, Cleveland is a, a very good running team. You know, they've been putting up really high numbers, and this week is no different. They really rely on that. They're a team that can line up and just pound you and really establish the run. So first and foremost, we got to do a good job in the edges and our tackling. You know, getting on and off blocks because they do a great job. Mike Munchak does a great job with that offensive line. Uh, great respect for that over the years playing them. So we, I think we have a pretty good idea, you know, how physical this game is going to be. Gus, I don't know if you know Mike Smith, the outside linebacker coach for the Packers, and I know you've been in the bubble with Broncos, but he came out yesterday and said that he was fired up when Max Crosby got the Pro Bowl because of the way he plays and with the passion and just to disrupt even if he's not going to get the sack. What's it say about a third-year player when coaches in another conference that aren't even playing you are talking about watching his film? Right. You know, I think his his effort that he plays with really jumps out. Just talking to coaches, that's the one thing, his motor. It goes all the time. And, um, you know, you can imagine for Max, here he is getting hits, he's getting hurries, but maybe the sack numbers aren't there like he would like. But uh, he truly is an example of when you give with no intent to receive, it comes back twofold. I mean, I think what's most impressive about him, he just consistently gives to this team, to his group, to our unit. And it's kind of cool to say, you know what, that's how it's supposed to be. You know, that's how it works. And, um, you know, he's, he's been a pleasure to coach. Uh, his attitude never wavers. Same guy when he walks in the building. And, um, you know, it's challenging at times for him. But he, he has gotten the recognition, I think, just talking to coaches before games, you know, that, that's the one thing that is consistently brought up is, you know, the effort that he plays with. I know there's a lot of mixed feelings around the league from people, things like next-gen stats and pro football focus and, and all those sort of things, but is that a case where those things help a guy like Max where it's like, hey, the pressures are super high, the grade is super high, maybe the sacks aren't there. So 20 years ago, we'd say, he's not sacking anybody. Right. We can say, look what the impact he's Yeah, had. if it benefits you, right, <laughs> it, it works out great. But, um, you know, I know those things, they're, they're – they're important for some. You know, people look at them. I know sometimes in free agency, there's things that you look at. You try to get as much information about an individual as you can. So those type stats at least draw you to say, hey, let's take a, you know, a stronger look at him. So, you know, I, I think, you know, that, that everything, there's a purpose and, you know, maybe can have some benefit. There's times when you look at it and you go, well, he wasn't quite in the area and maybe a DB gets docked you know, for not making a play where it really wasn't his play. But overall, you know, I, I think if it works to the benefit of the player, I'm all for it. With, with Christmas being on Saturday and it's a holiday, maybe where, where guys are going to be with their families and eating a little bit and stuff, is there any added importance to the, the walkthrough on Saturday night more than a traditional night before walkthrough just to get everything kind of out of their system and, and ready to go? I think so. You know, uh, 
Coach Rich has done a really good job going through the schedule, you know, and giving him time. Sometimes if you bring him in Christmas Day early, you know, their thoughts are being with their family. So that time where they can be with their family and with their loved ones and then kind of, all right, now let's flip the switch. You know, and the meetings at night and going into it, I think, you know, is critical. So, um, you know, we really like the schedule, how it's set up for the players. I think they have their family time, but then they also can get back to football and, you know, kind of get their mindset back on that. So on paper and, you know, the plan that we really like. Coach, you mentioned a minute ago, Abram kind of had one of those aha, like I get it. Yeah. How, does that make it even more crippling that, you know, you lose him now? It does. You know, and he, he was the player of the game. You know, on defense, he he made a lot of plays. It was like I said, that that position is going to be around the ball a lot. So it's unfortunate, you know, that he had to go down with the injury, and he's been, uh, you know, dealing with that throughout the season. I think, you know, at times, but uh, you know, for for him, at least he went out, you know, having that aha moment. It wasn't that he missed eight tackles and you know and fell down three times. You know, I, I think it's more grateful for that. That you know, he's he's. It's unfortunate, but. He also has that kind of bank experience to go off of that, you know, a real clear understanding of what it could look like. And I think you appreciate that. You hope everybody has that, right, that on defense, that kind of, boy, it's really starting to come together. And, um, you know, so, yeah, we're, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss his play. Sorry, I know you already talked about, you know, next man up and the, the depth that you're worried about in the, in the secondary. Uh, but with him specifically, with the impact that he has, you know, emotionally and physically, uh, everything that he does, how difficult is his presence to kind of fill in? For well, you, you always miss really good players like that. And and you're right. I think we look at it as, you know, it's unfortunate. We appreciate what he gave to this team and will continue to give this team. But you're also at the same time, I don't know so much next man up, but you're excited for the next guy to get his opportunity. And, you know, he's worked very hard for it. And now he's got an opportunity to really go out there and see what he has. And, uh, you know, I think that's where we're more excited about that, you know, to see, all right, here's a guy like Nixon, right? He's pretty good. He goes in there on a half day's notice and he goes out there and plays. And you should see his confidence level rise just because of that. And I think those are the things that you don't want to miss when a guy goes down to see situations like that and appreciate, you know, a player being prepared and when his opportunity presents himself up and goes and captures it so you know I think that's that's really our mindset now I don't I, there's some story is going to take place on Sunday we don't know what it is but uh, we know some story is going to take place and why not one of those guys that get their opportunity well, we saw uh, Roger Teamer he came in you know when Abram got hurt at the end of last game uh, I think he was also in on that on that last drive we also seen down Levy get snaps at safety but um, do you think that maybe somebody like Tyree Gillespie who maybe hasn't played that much this season, maybe in a smaller role, maybe he can get some... Right. I, you know, he, he very well could now with some of the things that we've got going on. So there, there's another man that, you know, has worked hard and preparing. And, you know, now there's opportunity to go out there and add to this team. And, uh, you know, there's high expectations. You know, when you get a chance to get on the field, that, that's one thing I think that everybody holds everybody accountable. The D-line expects you and the linebackers, if you're a secondary guy, to come in that the standard doesn't drop. And sure, I think a player feels that. And, but I always believe that when there's expectations like that, you generally rise to the level of expectation as a whole. So to have those expectations on him, you know, if, if Gillespie gets in there and he very well could, uh, you know, I believe he'll rise to it, you know, because of that, that's just generally how it works. And if I expect our kids to go to college, my wife and I, they generally rise to that expectation and they'll go to college, you know, and it's no different when you get a chance to play. You guys all set? Yes. All right. Okay.
All right, Gus Bradley. That was interesting. Uh, there should be some good reaction to that from the Raider Nation. It really seems like the sense I'm getting is this is next man up now. I mean, we are past talking about guys who are injured. We're, we're done with that. We're done talking about Nicholas Morrow coming back. We're done talking about Richie Incognito coming back. This is about Trayvon Mullins not coming back. Jonathan Abrams not coming back. So I want everybody to be healthy. But when you hear a team's got four players out due to COVID, the Raiders have the same four players out who don't have COVID. They're gone. Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Abram, Richie Incognito, Nicholas Morrow, Alec Ingold, Nick Witkowski, whatever it is. The Raiders are decimated with injuries. And they got to get some guys back healthy here. So I know the fine line. It's a line. There's a ledge. There's a cliff. There's an edge. I don't go near it. But I'll just tell you this that players that are close to coming back need to get back. There's too many guys that are hurt, and they're hurt because they have real injuries and they can't play. The other guys that are close to coming back, it would be good if they could find their way back. we got to stop thinking about you need to be 100% to come back. You don't. You don't have to be 100%. You have to be able to run and play and tackle. And, and you know, Gus spent, what was that, nine minutes? Gus spent six minutes talking about, you know, guys who might be able to come in and, and make a play like Nixon. Good luck with that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy when Nixon or Levitt make a play, but I'd rather see the starters who I know could make more plays in there. Now, Divine Diablo is a really good story here because at times in football, if you remember the week of the draft and two weeks before the draft, I got on the flagship station and said, no matter what you do, just trade up and go get Micah Parsons. You remember me saying that? Some of you will remember that. I said, go get Micah Parsons. He has an opportunity to be the defensive player of the year along with the rookie defensive player of the year. And he'll probably get rookie defensive player of the year. And what's happening now with a guy like Devon Diablo and especially Max Crosby, who was not a high draft pick, when you can get one of those guys to pop and then they're on your team for five, six years and they're really good, Max is great, he went to the Pro Bowl, this Devon Diablo... And Malcolm Kuntz, those two players are very intriguing to me going forward. Because as Gus just said, Diablo was drafted to be a safety, but he talked about his linebacker skills. This team has really struggled with the linebacker position, period. And then when I thought the team did the right thing, they did the right thing. They didn't want to draft the linebacker. They just went out and got him. They took Corey Littleton and Nick Witkowski. (laughs) I mean, Kwiatkowski... I give him credit for because I just don't know what, what the problem is with what we're seeing at this linebacking position with Littleton. I just don't get it. I mean, that is turning out to be – I better stop. We, better, we just, better, just better move on. They got to get Diablo now to play meaningful snaps, and they got to get Nate Hobbs, if he can, off of COVID protocol to play meaningful snaps because I like what I'm seeing from Divine Diablo and I love what I'm seeing especially when I, when I look at what I can see from Kuntz if he gets in there but I love what I'm seeing from Hobbs who went to my wife's alma mater Illinois so get those guys in there and we'll take a shot you got a puncher's chance but the ability for other guys to come off IR or who are banged up wink wink and get them back on the field for this game I mean, these legends who played before these guys, a lot of them played hurt. And I know the rule. If you can't play, you can't play. 
If you're injured and you can't help the team, you can't get out there. But if you're coming off an injury and you can go, this would be a good week to do it. JT with you as we continue. Our friend Five Iron Golf. Hey, their leagues are starting up again. I'll be in one. Five Iron Golf's got golf leagues in the winter. It's fantastic. Five Iron Golf, tell them JT sent you. I'm always ready. I'm always ready. <laughs> I, 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 I joke with these corners all the time because I'll run routes and mess with them and like I did with Trayvon and things like that. And uh, I'll look at them and I'm like, you know he's not throwing it to me. They're like, yeah, he's not throwing it to you. <laughs> they, they just laugh. Uh, but who knows, maybe one day I'll get a one-on-one. Yeah, uh, I am not a bad basketball player, so I can go up and get a ball. Yeah, Derek lining up wide, he touched on that. And maybe he'll catch a ball. I don't know. He's a decoy out there. He's too valuable to get hurt. JT, back with you. Passionate Raider. We got time before the top of the hour. Thanks for waiting. Merry Christmas. This is JT. Man, I, you know, sometimes I just want to sit back and just listen to you. But, man, when you get to talking, man, you get fired. You get me fired up, man. You just get me fired up. I pick that damn phone up and I hit the digits, man. And Denver, man, I, here I am. I'm out in Illinois, man. So, you know, I always grew up. I was the only Raider fan in school. No other kid in my school area ever wore Raider gear but me. So I always had this bigger kid that was a Bronco fan. And he, he I wouldn't say he was a bully, but he, he was. And he used to just, I couldn't stand losing to the Broncos when I had to go to school and face Ben. Because he would just, it, it was horrible, man. So I hate the Broncos. And I've hated them ever since John Elway also. And I always called John Elway horse teeth. Because when he smiled, he just looked just like the horse on the side of that helmet. And I've hated that helmet my whole life. So this game this weekend is a must, like you said. There's no time to play around. We've already screwed around and lost enough of these simple games that we should have won. We wouldn't be where we're at. So we got to go out on Sunday. You know it. You said it. We all know it. Kick some ass, and let's go, JT. Let's have a Merry Christmas bringing his family in this weekend. These kids are going to be behind the black hole. They're going to get the experience of a lifetime with Reggie and and, and the, the, the Robert and his family, man. And I just I just want those kids to experience a victory in that black hole because that is – they'll never forget it. I'll be there someday to experience it. I want to see. Raider Nation Unite. Merry Christmas. Have a good Merry day. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm bringing my family for the first time. All four of us are going together, both my sons – who are back from college and my wife and we'll be in our 132 and I'll be at the torch. I just got our note that the pregame show starts at 1115 Pacific time at the torch, 1115. And we'll uh, take you through the pregame leading up to Brent Musburger uh, right about 1245 heading into one o'clock for the early kick. And then postgame show, we've been hosting it from the Modelo Cantina. If you have club access into the Twitch or Modelo side, Come on there. Uh, it hasn't been fun all the time there because there's been a lot of losses. And I feel like this is going to turn it around with a win. And my conversation with Rich Basaccia is coming up next here at the top of the hour, the head coach, on the importance of winning at home and who the Raiders have. And last week I interviewed him on Thursday. They didn't play till Monday. I interviewed him today, and the game is on so far for Sunday. 
Come around for my conversation with the coach next.